So we're back Another day Another episode Questionable Call Podcast I am your host Quest So Before I could even Get my notes and stuff Down for today About what I wanted to talk about It happened And Guys are starting to opt out Guys are starting to say Fuck this I'm done So You know among a couple of the names Marco Lee, Keyshawn Artist, um, Taiwan Garvey. Yeah, out of those names, the name that really hits really strong for me is Keyshawn Artist. Now, let me tell you why. This is a kid who, just looking at him, he looks like the prototypical middle linebacker. He looks like one. All right. Six, I think he's six feet, six one, a solid 230. He looks like a middle linebacker. He looks like the prototypical middle linebacker. And he's smart. Not just football smart. I mean, he's really smart. I think he graduated high school like a 3.5 GPA, something like that. I think. He's really smart. So college was in his future, whether he was playing football or he wasn't. But see, that that's not the part that has me so upset right now. The part that has me so upset is here's another kid who did it the right way. He did it the right way. He came in as a, as a highly heralded freshman. You know, he did the grunt work, scout teams, special teams. Didn't, he, you know, got a little bit of playing time his first year. His second season, he opts to take a red shirt. He says, listen, there's a log jam at linebacker. I don't want to take up any reps from the guys that were already there. Remember, we already got Dax technically playing out of position. Dax is technically, you know, playing uh, what would be classified as the mic, not, not the mic. Um, what do we call it in this? I don't even know what we call it in this system anymore. But it's technically the outside line. It's the backer position. It's, it's the outside linebacker in this position, in in in, in Bud's defense. So Dax is traditionally what in Bud's defense would be a mic. Would be the the middle linebacker, the middle inside linebacker. But there's a log jam. Ashby has it locked down. Dax is right behind him. Then there was an artist. So he takes the red shirt to give it some separation. And he comes back this year, and they're barely using him. He's barely getting into rotation. That has a lot more to do with the defensive staff than anything else. Again, that goes to him having a position coach who's never coached a position before. You, you've got this guy, Tracy Clays, coaching a position that he has never coached before in a defensive scheme that he's not used to. Listen, spring football isn't just for the players to get up to speed. It's also for the coaches to have gotten up to speed. So they didn't have spring football. Practices were limited because of COVID. So you're asking this guy to make calls in a defense that he's not used to, and you can see the result on the field. Ashby's numbers are down. Dax's numbers are down. Um, Alan Tisdale's just basically out there doing what the hell he wants to do, and I can't complain about it because he's making plays. But I can 100% tell you it's not happening within the scheme of the, all, uh, the defense. And that's no slight to Alan Tisdale. That's to indictment of 
Jay Ham and an indictment of Tracy Clays. So the real biggest part that really hits me hard about uh, uh, about Keyshawn artists opting out is because he went so hard for Virginia Tech when he got recruited. Listen, he was out here trying to get Cameron Kelly school. Keyshawn artists literally from the day he signed uh, to come and be a Hokie. He literally tried to get every single kid in the 757 to also come and to be a Hokie. If it was on, whether it was hitting them on the DMs and Twitter, whether it was him getting their phone numbers, however he had to get in touch with these people, he did. He literally tried to get every kid he could to come play in Blacksburg and you don't give him any snaps? You're fucking up his playing time? Like, you're, you're low-key wasting his time and wasting his energy? Yeah, man, I, I'm not going to be out there in the middle of COVID risking my ass neither. I'm not either. See, and this is going to be a, a problem, not just, let me pause for a minute. This is not just going to be a problem at Virginia Tech, but it's going to be at other schools too. Because when you don't have anything to play for, listen, bro, I'm not risking COVID. I'm not risking a twisted ankle, a ruptured ACL to for the Mighty Key Car Care Bowl. Yeah, I'm not risking that. I'm not risking my health for the Northrop Grumman Military Bowl. I'm, I'm just not. I need to be playing for something. Or if I'm not playing for something, I need to be playing for somebody that I can trust. Somebody that I know has my best interest at heart. Somebody that I want to lay it all on the line for. And it has become evident that Justin Fuente is not that type of guy. Look, Bud Foster, Bud Foster cleaned up a whole lot. He protected a whole lot more than the than the end zone as a defense coordinator. He really protected Fuente. Very quietly, you know, you start asking around, you start talking to people. It's a lot of people who only still stuck by Virginia Tech because of their love for Bud Foster. It's a lot of people that only went to Virginia Tech out of their love for Bud Foster or their respect for Bud Foster, their respect for who Bud Foster. Now that he's gone, people aren't making that same decision. People aren't willing to risk it all for <laughs> Justin Fuente. They're not. They're not really willing to put everything on the line for Justin. And again, rightfully so. Why would you? Why would you? I, I wouldn't. I, I, I sure as hell wouldn't. Man. And so, again, let's look at where this whole thing went wrong. And some of this is... is you gotta take a little bit of this with a grain of salt I'll say it up front because some things I I myself wasn't you know directly privy to some of this is, is secondhand information I'm getting from people or people are explaining their side of the story to me I don't have Fuente's side of the story but that's that's Fuente's own fault for not opening up to people that's his own fault so for the last for the last five years if we have if we have put together a false idea on who Justin Fuente is. It's your own fault for not being very forthcoming and open with us so we could know what you were about. This is your fault. It's your fault. 
But like I was saying in part one, listen, there are high schools that, that Justin Fuente cannot go to. I mean, it's not like somebody standing outside forcing him, you know, like a, a bouncer not letting him in. But if he goes, he's not going to get a friendly reception. There's The kids and the coaches aren't going to be enamored that, hey, Justin Fuente's here from Virginia Tech. It's like, fuck you on, bro. Like That's going to be the response from a lot of kids. You can't have that as a head coach. You can't have that. There are, there are a lot of, like I said, there are a lot of deficiencies and a lot of problems going on. But from what I can understand, from the moment Fuente got to Virginia Tech, there was kind of a sense of entitlement. And it was an unearned entitlement. Again, remember, there was a sense of entitlement in the last few years of the Frank Beamer era. But the difference is Frank had done enough. He had been around the block enough. He had relationships enough. Yeah, some people could kind of understand it. They could kind of understand it. Yeah, Frank felt maybe a little entitled to getting Taj Boyd. It didn't go right, but I can understand why. You pretty much locked down the peninsula and gotten the best quarterback for like multiple recruiting cycles. You went from Michael Vick, one of the best quarterbacks on the peninsula in the 757, to Brian Randall, who was like player of the year type kid um, on that side. I think the Daily Press. Gave him, uh, like, player of the year when he was there. But you go from uh, Michael Vick, you get Brian Randall, you get Marcus Vick, you get Tyrod Taylor. So you, you, you're you kind of accustomed to getting, you know, the best quarterback from that particular region. So, yeah, there's a little bit of entitlement when it came time to talk to Taj Boyd. I get it. Fuente, you didn't have any of that entitlement to walk in on. You didn't have any rings. Didn't have any national championship rings. You know, you you weren't a part of a winning dynasty and bringing that winning attitude. Excuse me. <clears throat> you weren't part of like a winning dynasty and bringing that attitude to a new school or to this school. So where the hell is this entitlement of his coming from? I, I, I don't get it. But that's what a lot of the coaches and parents and everybody involved were saying he had. They were like, hey, man, this dude walks in real cocky and real arrogant. Now, mind you, there's nothing wrong being a little cocky and a little arrogant. You got to have that as a head coach. But not so much to the point where it's off-putting to people. Like I said, not so much that it's off-putting to people. That was what was going on with this guy. So that, that, that really helped to or really sped up the angst around him. And it doesn't look like a thing that can be repaired. I I don't see that it can be repaired because the people that he would need to kind of be in forgiveness or to let it go, they're still in power in these positions. And they know how you treated certain kids and certain parents in certain situations. Now, with this Keyshawn Artist thing, listen, I had a whole other direction that I was going to go today. But with this Keyshawn Artist thing, we already had enough to say for Wente has to go. But this Keyshawn Artist thing is probably the biggest piece of when he got to go. Because Keyshawn's another, here's another 757 kid. Another highly respected kid from the 757 who you've low-key fucked over. 
and in people's minds it's just yo here's another kid here's another one you feel me my guy it just keeps getting worse for you okay it keeps getting worse so now you you he can't go and get kids from Prince's aunt so Tony Grimes came from he can't go to Norcom and get kids that's what Karan Prunty that they skipped over came from Maury High School you're not getting any kids from there from uh, Maury High School I'll let you do your research on on why Indian River you're fucked there that's what Devin Hunter went you're, you're fucked there now now one of the best programs in the state of Virginia Oscar Smith you you're pretty much done there you were kind of done after the Cameron Kelly situation but when you add up the Cameron Kelly situation now you factor in um you factor in this Keyshawn artist Keyshawn artist uh went there as well bro <laughs> you're done it's a wrap it's a wrap so one of the leading programs in the state you fucked over two of their best kids recently and you think you're going to walk into that building and be able to recruit anybody seriously let's not forget Deshaun McLeese went there you 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 <laughs> your system your staff your personality everything about the program so graded on McLeese that he said fuck it I'm done with football let me break this down I'm 40 years old Okay, if at any point in my life, especially when I was in college, if somebody came to me and was like, look, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either go out here and get in the real world and have to start paying rent and car note and get a job for health insurance and, uh, like I said, other bills. You got to answer to a boss. If you, if you got a choice between doing that or, or you could come back here for another year for free to play football and go get your second master's degree. You can stay in on-campus housing. You don't have to get a job. You're probably only going to take three classes this semester, grad-level classes. Wait a minute. Those are my choices? Yeah. Bro, I'm staying in school. I'm staying in college. Like, fucking hell no. I'm staying in school. I'm staying in college as long as I can. But, but you had won on this guy so much. You had graded this guy so much and misused him so badly. You had misused the guy so badly that he said, nah, fuck football. I'm done. Let me go out here. Let me go out here and get in the real world. <laughs> let me go out here and let me go out here and get in the real world. These are all the factors that lead up to it going so wrong. Look, let, let, one thing I will say, one piece that I do have some sympathy for when it concerns uh, Justin Fuente, I, I don't think Fuente really understood what he was getting himself into. I, I don't think he really understood. And a lot of guys don't understand what they're getting themselves into when they take jobs like this. You got to understand, Frank Beamer is a legend. He's not just a legend, but he is beloved in the state of Virginia. He is beloved. Frank Beamer was Virginia Tech football. Frank Beamer took over a team with no consistent history of winning. He took over a team that was 
in shambles. They had they were just coming off sanctions, and the roster was fucking horrible. And Frank took that team over and built it into a winner. At one point, when you know they do these breakdowns of of teams, and I remember I can't remember who did it. I think it was in Sports Illustrated, but they were like blue bloods, and they were like barons, and it was it was like like step levels. Virginia Tech was at the level right under the Blue Buds. We owned the ACC. I think we went, what, four times within the first six years of being in the ACC. All right. Frank built that. That was all Frank Beamer. Michael Vick, number one NFL draft pick. D'Angelo Hall, first round NFL draft pick. Uh, That was Dwayne Brown, first round NFL draft pick. That was all Frank Beamer. The the Fuller brothers. Frank Beamer. That was all Frank. I can we're gonna be here all day if I start listing the guys that Frank coached um and got in the NFL. And you follow this guy. They always say never be the guy that follows the guy. But again, I don't think Fuente really understood what he was following up. And see, the other part of the problem is Frank was still alive and Frank was still around. You know, Frank didn't take another job. So it wasn't like Dennis Erickson taking over at the University of Miami for Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson left to go take the Cowboys job. You know, Frank's still around. Frank retired. Frank was at pretty much every game that first year, every game that he could go to. And again, a little bit of me feels bad for Fuente because at every game, they would bring whoever was broadcast. They would bring Frank in the booth to, you know, talk to Frank. Again, he's a legend. Every time you looked up, it was Frank. Beam. Somehow, Fuente was getting compared to Frank. Beam. Oh, they both uh, went to whatever college it was that, that they went to. And, you know, Frank's in the Hall of Fame out there. And so they made this comparison. They were both, you know, small town guys that went to their, you know, in-state school, Frank went to Virginia Tech. Fuente started out in Oklahoma. They were always making these comparisons. They were always doing these things. You know, and it didn't help that every day Frank jogged across campus with his dog. He still had an office in the football, um, in, in the sports building where he was, you know, on most days. So it doesn't help Fuente make this his thing. When the guys come out on the field, Every announcer was talking about Beamer Ball, Beamer Ball, Beamer Ball. The players, all the players, they were pretty much Frank Beamer holdover guys. So there was a, there was a, a piece of loyalty to Frank, which it should be. But again, I don't know if Fuente really understood what he was getting into. Okay. I think it just wore on him. I think it wore on him and has worn on him all along. Again, him keeping Bud Foster was probably one of the biggest mistakes of his career. And why? Why? Because again, Bud Foster is beloved. And it wasn't just Bud Foster was a, a guy on the There's a guy that coaches for Florida State. He, he's been their interim coach a couple of times. He's the offensive line coach. I mean, I'm trying to look his name up. I, I'm going to look his name up. Odell Higgins. So both times that uh, when Jimbo left and when they fired Willie Taggart, Odell Hagen stepped in as uh, 
he stepped in as, as the interim coach until they hired who they wanted to hire. Odell Higgins played for Bobby Bowden, so he's pretty much on staff. I think I think the deal is if you take the Florida State job, you got to keep him on staff. But regardless of that, regardless of that, he he's not Bud Foster. Bud Foster isn't that. Bud Foster is beloved. Beloved. So, it was also thought that Bud Foster should have gotten the head coaching job. I, I myself think he should have. I'm one of those people. So now for Wednesday, he has to forever deal with, or for this time, deal with the guy that most people in Hokie Nation feel should have gotten the job. They got to deal with him there. And again, he's not a lowly coach, like a lowly spot coach, like a offensive line coach. And I don't mean to call offensive line coaches lowly, but you understand what I'm saying in the pecking order. He, yeah, he's not the special teams coordinator or something like that. He's the defensive coordinator. And I think him being there and everybody wanted to interview Bud just as much as they wanted to interview for Wednesday. There'd be post-game interviews where they would tell Wednesday, all right, cool, That's now let's go talk to Bud. And they cut for Wednesday off in the middle of everything. I think that just kind of wore on him after a while. So what for Wednesday more than anything else, what he wanted to do was put his stamp, his seal on his team and on his program and say, I built this. So what does he do? He goes out and he gets a bunch of guys who were, I hate to use this term, but cast-offs and afterthoughts. They weren't getting jobs anywhere else, okay? He goes and he gets these guys who, because he's given them the spot, can't be anything but loyal to him. They don't really have the experience or the pedigree or the resume or the cachet to argue with him and debate with him in meetings or to say, coach, we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe we should do it this way. He got a bunch of guys who can't do that because they're still green. He got a bunch of guys that he could train up in the way that I guess he sees um, that the game should be played and that he sees the way coaches should coach. He's got a bunch of those guys, right? Same thing with a lot of the players that he went out and got. He went out and got a lot of kids who were good. But I don't know if they should be starting in the ACC. I'm just being honest. He got a bunch of kids who only had like one other, uh, even division one off. He got a bunch of kids who had a bunch of, who were out here competing with Coastal Carolina to sign them. He got a bunch of those kids. Now granted, listen, kids slip through the cracks all the time. Damon Hazleton was one. Kids slip through the cracks and should be at a Brock Hoffman was another. Slip through the cracks. Somehow he wound up. Where was he? Where's Brock Hoffman at? Coastal Carolina or some shit like that? Uh, yeah, I think that's where Brock Hoffman was before he transferred to Blacksburg. But for the most part, most of the kids who should be in Division One or, you know, Power Five, mo- most of them, they're, they're there. Most of them, they're there. We got a bunch of kids who, and I, again, I'm hating to say it, but. Somebody didn't have any other choice. Virginia Tech was their only power five officer. Of course, they were going to take it. And I think a lot of how Fuente has shaped this team and a lot of what he does comes from his experience when he first got to Virginia Tech. I think he felt slighted. I think he felt slighted and he wanted to establish this program as his own. But the problem with that my guy, you you sacrificed wins. You have sacrificed wins. 
And when we look around, rightfully so, the fan base is tired. Listen, in the five years, he's, let's, let's talk about things that other people have done before him. We, Virginia Tech has never been to a New Year's Six game under Fuente. UVA did it. UVA, UVA did it. Virginia Tech has never been ranked in the top 10. Indiana is currently ranked in the top 10 in football. Yes, you heard me right. The Indiana Hoosiers are currently ranked in the top 10 in football. Virginia Tech has never seen the top 10 in football on the Fuente. North Carolina just closed on a top 10 recruiting class. Top 10 recruiting class. Virginia Tech has never come close to a top 10 recruiting class. These are these are things that have happened under Fuente's tenure. And my man, trying to build a program that you saw fit, that was never going to fly. Like, see, Fuente worked at Memphis because it, there were no expectations at Memphis. There were no expectations. Dude, you had expectations at Virginia Tech. And I don't know if he's really good with meeting out expectations. And now, now, bro, the floodgates are open. You've got all kind of players coming out and saying what they need to say. You've got Eric Kuma. you got uh, Trayvon Hill. And I know what the defenders are trying to say. You know, these guys are just disgruntled. Okay, but even a disgruntled former employee, something caused him to be disgruntled. He just didn't wake up one day and be disgruntled. These guys, in their minds, have a valid reason to be disgruntled. And they started to lay it out. They've been laying it out. And the facts make sense. You know, in part three, I'm going to go over some of those, those tweets and messages. Like Trayvon Hill said, dude didn't like me from the day I got here, from the day he got there. And he had been looking for a reason to get rid of me. Believable. Eric Kuma was bringing up, you know, him Hezekiah Grimsley, you know, Hezekiah Grimsley goes from making one-handed touchdowns to not getting any burn. And conveniently, the coaches put on, well, he's he's going through some personal issues. Maybe so. But he was look, turning to football as an escape, as an outlet. Sean Savoy, listen, I don't know if Sean Savoy should have been, been a whiting, a whiting, a starting outside receiver. I think Sean Savoy would have, been really great in the slot, which is where he should have been. But because of poor recruiting, but because of the inability to convince somebody to stay, Sean Savoy's now forced into action in a position that really isn't for him. Then he goes through some personal tragedy, yet and that's hugely unfortunate. I think he's out of football. I know he had transferred to Maryland and it just didn't work out. But my point is, the the ball on things not working out for him started rolling downhill at Virginia Tech. Sean Savoy was never an outside receiver. Just like right now, Tavion Robinson is not an outside at the best. Tavion Robinson is a slot receiver. He could dominate out of the slot. But as usual. Once he puts people in bad positions, your players just do not trust you. And once the trust is gone from your players, bro, it's time to move on. 
it is time to move on. Now, Wick can sit here and attempt to drag this thing out. And I hear the arguments. Oh, it's going to cost us 12.5 million to get rid of them. Okay. Anybody says that first of all, I know you're drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't know if anybody has really ever been terminated from a head coaching job and the school actually paid the actual buyout number. It's normally negotiated there. 12 and a half, probably get it down to 10, maybe even eight in color today. Number two is not doing a lump sum. Generally, the larger the amount, the longer the time you have to pay it. I think Fuente's language has a couple of years available to pay this, to pay this down. All right. But regardless of all of that, look, $12 million is a lot of money. But you're probably talking $36 million if he stays. That's what you're going to lose. You can either pay $12 million along with the uh, other coaches' salaries. Let's, let's bring that to maybe $15 million all in and get started on building a better program. Or you can keep this guy, let him make some excuses by getting rid of a coordinator or two or get rid of some you know position guys here and there and say listen we made changes it doesn't matter guys aren't saying i'm not coming to virginia tech because of cornelson i mean they're thinking it no they're saying i'm not coming because of justin fuente guys aren't saying hey you know i'm not coming completely because of ryan smith as the defensive back coach that's a that's a part of it the biggest part I'm not coming because of Justin Fuente. So unless you're figuring a way to make him a whole new person, doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter who you fire. You could clean out. You could fire the entire staff from coordinators on down to strength and conditioning coaches. It's not going to change the guy at the top. And the guy at the top is primarily who people do not like. If you ask me, the whole program from top to bottom needs an overall. The PR department does not get it. They don't get it. You don't need the biggest PR department in the world. The marketing department. You don't need the biggest marketing department. In the world. Not, not with social media and, and the net. Same thing with the social media department. You don't need the biggest. You don't need 10 people working in the social media department. No. You just don't. You don't need that many people. But you got to know what you're doing. You have to be in tune. You have to be untouched. This outreach has to be a part of who you really are. You can't fake your way through it. You can't fake it. And Fuente has been faking it for too long. He's been faking it. Man, it all went so bad. Man, it went so bad almost immediately. Like, if we're being honest, it went bad almost immediately. Listen, Gerard Evans tried to tell us. Gerard Evans, in his own strange way, tried to tell people that, hey, man, the milk ain't the milk ain't right. But we didn't listen. We had a belt bowl championship under our belt. <laughs> we had a belt bowl victory under our belt. So we didn't listen. We didn't listen. And now we are in this situation. Granted, I don't know what you do in that situation. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you fire him. And I'm not saying you did, but pressure should have been applied really after year two pressure should have been applied. Like, Hey man, what's going on down here? You're starting to lose too many guys. 
That guy's transferring out left and right. What's going on here? Questions should have been asked. And pressure should have been applied. When, and it wasn't. It wasn't. This is where we are. This is where we are. And then how do we fix it? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what I like. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. I bro, I'm I'm all on board with Tony Elliott. I've been thinking about it. I've been looking at it. I'm all on board with Tony Elliott. And I think we need to go ahead and get this move because South, remember, South Carolina just fired Will Muschamp. So it's nothing for them to say, hey, Tony, do you want to stay in the same state but come coach in the SEC? You get to stay in the same state. You get to go up against your former boss once a year, every year. It's a possibility. Listen, we've we've seen it before. Georgia win got Kirby Smart from Alabama. Um, Bo Schimbeckler came from Woody Hayes' staff at, at Ohio State. We we have seen this. We've seen this before. It's nothing new. So it would be nothing for South Carolina to reach across and try to hire out. Excuse me, or or try to higher Tony away but we got to get we've got to get on the ball and the longer we keep this guy the longer it sends a message to everybody that the administration does not care about football does not care like I said my vote right now is for Tony Elliott in order Tony Elliott or Todd Grantham that's what I'm with and in the very outside shot in a very outside scenario, hey man, I, 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 if I was with, I'd pick up the phone and call Bud and be like, man, I made a mistake five years ago. Will you come let me out of my mistake? Cause Wit needs to get some, Wit needs to get some points in the, in the, the fan base category too. Wit, Wit's overdrawn. Wit's working on his savings and he's dwindling it down. Yeah. You know. So, I, I I would like to hear from you guys. Listen, I'd like to hear from you guys. Leave leave some messages, leave some comments. I'll be sure to try and answer your questions in time for part three. But we're just in a really weird place. That Hokie Nation. I don't know if we've ever been in this place before. The fan base has erupted in the civil war, and I don't know how you heal those wounds. You, you've got to get the right person in here to heal those wounds. I think the person has to either be a really big name, like an Urban Meyer, and I don't think that we'll pay the money for Urban Meyer, but I'm just saying, or it have to be somebody with hokey roots. It'd have to be Tory and Gray. It'll have to be who else is in the who else is uh coaching? Who else is in the coaching? Oh I'd have to go down the whole list on Todd Washington is is coaching. You know, he's I think he's up with the Jets. Hey, if he's with the Jets, he might he might be having a job later on. But my point is, uh look, you're gonna have to get somebody to come in here and mend these fences. It's bad. It, it's bad. It's really an internal civil war amongst Hokie fans. And somebody's going to have to come in. You can't just get a guy that nobody's heard of before. You can't go get the complete stranger 
from group of five that nobody's heard before that that's not gonna work you can't go hire a guy who coached it i don't know new mexico state or you know idaho tech you can't go get that guy you can't go get somebody from oregon state you can't go get the offensive coordinator from you know university of cal berkeley you no. You gotta either bring in a big name or you gotta bring in somebody from Hokie Nation who can heal these wounds. We've never been in this situation before. I, I know I haven't. I've seen other teams go through it, but I know I haven't. So but listen, with Babcock, you gotta get started. The sooner you the longer you drag this out, excuse me, the longer you take and drag this thing out, the harder it's gonna be just the harder it's going to be so listen with that said with that said I, I thank you guys for tuning in for listening in I'll be back with part 3 uh, before the week is out I'm going to try and hold off see if we got any new developments to happen this week so I'm you know I'm just glad I, I waited and didn't release this thing on Sunday but we had some more to talk about so i'll try and get part three out to you guys around wednesday i'll just look to see what other things happen this week what other shoes fall but hokies 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 we're dealing with a lot we're dealing with a lot so you stay prayed up i'll stay prayed up for you and we'll see what we get all right peace <laughs>